Welcome to the second episode of Selfies of the Mind. New lens, new filter, new view. Today I'm going to share a bit about my personal life story. And not because I think I'm God's gift to the universe, but because I want to show examples of how our thought processes are created based on our growing up phase, if you like. So from a neuroscientific perspective, there are several different phases where our cognition, so our mind, the way our brain works, develops and how our personality is formed and how our memory is formed that drives our habit. I will link some interesting reads in the description box down below. A great researcher on this, Professor Piaget, Stages of Development or Piaget, stages of development it's called where he actually researched the different sensory systems of kids growing up into young adults and then into adults but also this concept of neuroplasticity that no matter what age we are we can still rewire our brain to have new thoughts so we can develop new habits and it was led to believe before that this was almost impossible or not possible after a certain age. But actually, the brain is a mystery in itself. Neuroscientists are still scratching the surface. One book I love to read is from Lisa Feldman Barrett, The Secret Life of the Brain, where she actually goes and dives deeper into the role emotions have with our thoughts and with our way of thinking. But today is not a neuroscientific story. Today I'm going to keep it personal and practical to give a foundational understanding of how our previous experiences from childhood to where we are now influence the way we see the world. There is this quote, I don't know who invented it, but it sums it up. We see the world as we are, not as it is. What it means is that we see our life experience through our lens. You can have two people going into the exact same store, walking this exact same route, but have completely different experiences based on their mood, based on the beliefs that they grew up with, based on how they feel, based on what they're thinking. So understanding this for yourself may is the first step to bringing awareness on how you view yourself and what thoughts are actually limiting your potential or causing you more emotional suffering and how you can liberate yourself. As I talked in episode one, how you can thread life with a lighter backpack. So I grew, I was born in the Netherlands, cultural dichotomy, I say. You had this Dutch boldness, directness, and then at home it was quite conservative a Moroccan family, very religious as well. So I grew up uh, Muslim. And so that in itself, the cultural, the religion uh, context of my upbringing heavily influenced my thought process. One example is religion often teaches you right or wrong. So if you do more right, you go to paradise. If you do more wrong, you go to hell. I'm not here to debate religion or to go into theological discussions, but I'm here to say that imagine as child growing up, 
thinking that the notion of what is right and what is wrong will get you either into paradise or in hell. That's quite heavy on a child and also how you live your life from that moment. That was one uh, aspect that influenced the first stage of my life between zero years old and seven years old. Then, unfortunately, I came into contact with a child abuser, a pedophile. So at uh, age of six, I was also sexually abused. And that also heavily influenced the way I perceived myself many years to follow until I addressed that part and forgave the man. In one of the episodes, I will share how forgiveness has been the secret to me being at inner peace. And I think a lot of people can relate that truly forgiveness is not for necessarily other people, but for you to let go of emotional weight, resentment, and these heavy negative emotions that we hold on to. Then I was also definitely not popular at school. I was quite the shy, introverted girl who never spoke. I, I remember I was six years old in first grade and I kept my head on the desk for, I think, almost entire class. I also had, uh, I had zero friends. So I grew up already feeling excluded and unfortunately children do what they do, bullied. So that also influenced heavily my thought process and how I uh, saw myself. Then from the ages between uh, 7 and 10, that's where we tend to develop our personality. So the bullying continued the conservative way of life. For example, I was not allowed to go on camping trips because there were boys involved. And so I was put into another class, which was not my class, for an entire week because I couldn't go on the trip. Now, that impacts a child's uh, brain developed in the sense that you already looked at as a weirdo. On top of it, I was stuttering like crazy. <laughs> and yeah, I uh, was excluded from actually trying to bond with the class. I was also told by the professors that I had uh, learning impediments. So I was very slow to catch up and that I wouldn't make it very far in life. And luckily, I think this is why our human spirit is so important, because I knew I had something in me. And that spirit, that fire kept burning and breaking brick walls. However, it was quite painful because the predominant beliefs I had about myself, that I wasn't enough. I was always excluded. I wasn't worried a lot. So it was a continuous dichotomy of these two playing out. And then later on in life, I went to university and I did two years in, uh, in university before I dropped out. I'm a terrible example for students, but I dropped out. And that was also a very telling time because I, I imagine having no freedom at all and then turning 19 and you're allowed to go live on your rooms on your own. So I went from no freedom to entire freedom. So obviously I focused on partying and exploring life as being free and trying to fit in, trying to be liked, etc., which got me in a lot of trouble, but also got me, I have, I won't, I don't know if I will share all my student experiences. Some of them were quite fun, actually. <laughs> I have quite some anecdotes and, but that also heavily impacted the way I viewed myself as a failure because I didn't finish school at that time. 
And I felt shame and guilt, which also eats away at us and impacts how we view ourselves. Then I went uh, to work as a secretary for the Ministry of Defense. And I already knew that I was going to leave the Netherlands. I was going to move to a bigger country. I had no idea which country, but I was convinced I was going to move. And mind you, I was less shy, but I was still quite to myself. So I had difficulty developing intimacy. Now, when we hear the word intimacy, we, we think about physical contact. But for me and for many, it's not about physical contact. It's about the ability to connect with others and into me, I see, right? Being vulnerable. That's how you develop genuine connections. But I was unable to do that because of my childhood, because I always felt excluded and bullied. So I developed superficial relationships where I always tried to buy food or dinner or always do much more for people than they did for me because my dominant thought process was the more I please, the more I am liked. Then I went, I got a job at NATO as a secretary. I actually was rejected for the job I applied to, and I was hired for a higher position job to work directly for the general manager. And that was my introduction to office politics, because in the first six months, I was on probation period, and the guy I was working with wanted an extension, and he decided I was going to be his uh, pawn for doing that. So anything he could use to make me look uh, weak, incompetent, make a lot of mistakes to get me fired, he did. And if it wasn't for a gentleman, an Italian general of the Air Force, I would never, I don't know if I would be where I am today because he came on as general manager after five months and he decided to ignore everyone and give me a chance. So and that chance changed everything because I could finally prove myself in the sense that I wasn't as incompetent as people thought. This is why as leaders, it's important to second guess people's opinion and to look beyond the surface and to give people a chance right, to give, because these are people's lives you're talking about. It's not, can you imagine 21 year old if I would have been sent home? Shame for my parents who were so proud that their daughter was in Southern France working for NATO. I was struggling all by myself. And then going home, it, it would have, I don't know, I don't know what I would have done. I don't have, I didn't have the resilience that I have now, but at that time, I'm not sure if I would have survived that. And then, unfortunately, uh, a few years later, I was in an abusive relationship with a narcissist, which was quite heavy when I look back, because when we, we talk about victims of domestic abuse or, or uh, women, men as well. But in this case, I'm talking about a female point of view, being stuck in this relation. Oh, why didn't you leave? Why do you continue? You have to imagine if you grew up feeling worthless and uh, then you are in a situation where the person you are in love with makes you feel like you're the world. It's like a safety. So those feelings of, of chaotic dynamic and unhealthy toxic patterns become are familiar. And that's what makes us feel safe. And if you grow up very self-reliant and with so much trauma, then you're hyper vigilance and you are you become quite addicted to toxic environments because that is what is familiar. This is why it's so important to start with how you view yourself. So I, I was stuck in that for two and a half years and I had literally to leave the country to to heal or to get away from this person. 
And then I started working in The Hague, which things started to go much better. But obviously, I continued to have unsuccessful in love and had another failed relationship. Then I went to Afghanistan, which I saw some horrific events. But at the same time, I also bonded a lot with people in there. It's like a community when you are stuck in the same ship, then you really bond and you really focus or realize what truly matters in life. And it's not this material attachment. At least that lasted for a year or so because then you come back to life and life starts again as as you're used to because people don't don't see things at the same level as you do. So it's your environment also plays a role in how you view yourself. This is why they say who you surround you show me who your friends are and I tell you who you are. Then I got married and we had a child. And that was, I think, when my life truly started. I, my son is my miracle in life. And, and it was hard in the beginning because I was a career woman and I tried to prove myself. I had all these degrees because I went back to university, finished my bachelor in communication, went to Cambridge, the most prestigious, prestigious university in the world. And I still couldn't get a promotion for two years. I was denied jobs. I couldn't get a promotion. And it was, and I was so focused on career and trying to prove my worth. I was unaware of what I was doing because I had lesser self-awareness than I have now. But it really came from a place basically to prove myself. This is why I did all the degrees and certifications, which hindsight is good because I have them now. But... I drained my energy because I was seeking validation from external. Then my father died 2014, May. And I think that's really where I started questioning life at a deeper level and and started to see life from a very different perspective and ended up into burnout, divorcing, quitting my job, starting my consultancy a few years later. So it was like kind of... That was a catalyst for me becoming an entrepreneur and transforming. The problem, though, is when I became an entrepreneur, it's a whole different uh, mindset you need to develop after having been an employee for 18 years, fighting her way through the system. And and people may say, what's so difficult of being an entrepreneur? Now, I always have big dreams and I want to do not necessarily the impossible, but I want to create something that doesn't exist yet, that to really disrupt things that don't work, which is quite hard to do uh, in the sense that, yes, you need a community. I didn't have a community. And two, you really cannot be struggling with self-confidence issue or naivety, etc. So becoming an entrepreneur, that period really forced me to break down my self-image and rebuild it from scratch. And all these challenges actually were keeping me from living my fuller potential. And I, I highly recommend uh, therapy in general because when I went into burnout, that, was, that helped me better understand my thought process and heal some of the traumas that I had, including my sexual abuse from when I was six. But then at a certain point, I was like, okay, I, I, I love talking to someone who has a medical degree, who is trained in this, but I also want to learn myself. How can I break these limits? How can I change my self-image? How can I reach for the star and actually grab them, no matter what anyone tells me? 
And that's where I started to heal myself and look at things from a different perspective. It was a dark, difficult journey. I'm not going to lie, but I learned a lot along. I learned a lot of how stuck emotions keep us in a place where we view ourselves in a very distorted light. And I felt the emotion, I released it, but I also trained my mind to change the way I look at things when I felt triggered. So a lot of people shy away or run away from feeling triggered. I personally believe feeling triggered is a gift. It's not fun and you wanna blame the world and you wanna blame other people. And I met quite some people who triggered me and I blamed them for a long time. And who do they think they are and who does she or he think they are? Yes, I was there as well. But they helped me heal. They helped me look at things from what is my responsibility in here? What do I believe of myself? And the moment I started doing that, I realized that I had a very poor self-image because of all these past experiences. And this is how it, it, it was actually three years ago when I, when I came up with the idea selfies. Uh, first, it was selfies of the soul, but that title was already taken. And it was I was like, okay, everyone's talking about soul, but do we even know what soul is? And I think uh, that would make for an interesting episode. But then I thought, wait a second, we have all these selfies, but we also have these thoughts that uh, that trigger a certain emotion or they produce a certain feeling. And then we get stuck in these patterns. What if we can, you know, and the way uh, also uh, mainstream positive psychology argues that when you change your mind, the reality, the narrative you tell yourself, that's how you, you change your life because you have to change from inside out. But how do we do that on a practical, in a practical way? And that's how I came up with selfies of the mind to, to look at the general thoughts we have based on our past experiences, whether from childhood or whether a recent experience that had an intense negative emotion, because that also becomes ingrained in our mind and creates a memory and then serves as a habit or behavior. And how can we change the way we think or we, we view that thought and release that emotion? I love the saying of Dr. Joe Dispenza is when we overcome the emotion of our experience, the experience turns into wisdom. And I, I still have triggers, obviously, but because I went through this process, I can go from feeling triggered to going inwards, to healing the, to changing the way I view the challenge, to healing the emotions and to move forward much faster. It's the power of our mind. In the upcoming episodes or the whole idea behind this podcast is to look at some of the main thoughts or beliefs many of us have. Fear of change fear of rejection, fear of love, imposter syndrome, not feeling good enough. To dive deeper into what are the stories we tell ourselves, what are the beliefs we have, and how, we can, how can we change the way we look at ourselves and release any emotion from the past that perpetrates this belief and then develop a new perspective. Now, this is by no means a replacement for therapy or professional help if you already doing that if you need this is not a medical podcast it's more an inspirational psychological safe space where i share my stories if my story can 
help, inspire, and spread the message for whoever resonates, then this is also part of my own healing journey. The more we help each other, the more we help people see the light in darkness and help them always focus on coming from a place of love and not fear or hate. And this is definitely not going to be for everyone. But the more we can create a peaceful, inclusive society and to live life with a lighter backpack. That is my intention, always will be my intention. And I love to hear from you. And I am very grateful for those who support this mission and want to come also on the podcast if you want to share your own challenges and how you have overcome them. That is also my objective for this podcast. So feel free to reach out on LinkedIn or email me at nadia at drivewitheq.com. Next episode, we're going to dive deeper into the top 10 fears people face according to a interesting article I read from a psychologist and that's going to be the basis for the subsequent episodes on how I have overcome those fears by applying a new lens, a new filter and a new view. So a new lens is I looked at it differently, I uh, changed the emotion I was feeling and then the outcome also changed. I developed a new perspective that didn't have that intense negative emotion attached to it. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. I look forward to the next episode and make sure you subscribe to the episodes. Leave me a review so other people can find this podcast and speak to you soon.